0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain six refreshing facts at a time. This week, it's time to hit the court for some hoops and to have your minds blown by math. It's March Madness and Extreme Numbers. Today, March Madness is a very, very big deal involving lots of money and lots of colleges. But back in 1939, when the first NCAA basketball tournament was held, it didn't quite have that same massive footprint. The first tournament consisted of just eight teams, each holding their conference's crown. After just seven games, two teams faced off for the championship title at Patton Gymnasium in Evanston, Illinois. The Ohio State Buckeyes, representing the Big Ten, and the Oregon Webfoots, representing the Pacific Coast Conference. When the buzzer sounded, the Webfoots bested the Buckeyes with a blisteringly high final score of 46-33. It remains the only national basketball championship to the school's name. Further proof that the championship wasn't quite as rife of spectacle as it is now is the attendance for the final game. Accounts vary, but of the 9,000 total seats in the Patton Gymnasium, only about 4,400 to 5,500 of them were filled, and that's counting nearly 400 college basketball coaches in attendance who were in town for a National Association of Basketball Coaches (the NABC) event. In fact, attendance for the entire tournament was low overall, causing the NCAA to post a loss of $2,531. The NABC, the organization that actually ran the tournament in 1939, didn't have the reserve funds to recoup that amount, but managed to arrange the transfer of organizational duties to the NCAA in exchange for underwriting the loss. If the agreement hadn't been reached, the NABC wasn't planning to run another tournament in 1940. The NCAA is no stranger to controversy, and that includes the NCAA tournament. In 1950, the Beavers of New York's City College took home the NIT Championship and, a week later, also captured the NCAA Championship. It's the only tournament Grand Slam ever accomplished in college basketball. For weeks afterward, New York City was abuzz with excitement over the wins. Parades, celebrations, coaches appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show, it was all a very big deal. There was just one little problem. On February 18, 1951, the City College team was met by detectives after riding a train home to Penn Station. That night, three City College players were arrested for point shaving, the act of making sure the final outcome of a game is within the gambling point spread. Later on, four more City College players were arrested on the same charges. In total, 32 players from seven schools were exposed in a point-shaving scheme. City College didn't lose its two championships, but it was banned from playing in Madison Square Garden, basketball mecca at the time, and the school eventually fell to Division III, never recapturing its success or fame on the court again. If you've ever filled out a March Madness bracket, there's a pretty good chance your picks didn't end up anywhere close to the actual results of the tournament. There's a good reason for that. The odds of filling out a perfect bracket are astronomically low. Actually, calling it astronomically low is a little generous considering many astronomical events have a much greater chance of happening. Here's the brain-breaking number. If you were to pick winners by guessing or coin flipping, the odds of filling out a perfect bracket are 1 in 9 quintillion, 223 quadrillion, 372 trillion, 36 billion. I got lost there for a second. 854,775,808. That number is way, way too big to grasp. But here are some fun attempts, courtesy of the NCAA. quintillion days is 1.8 million times longer than the entire history of the universe. The circumference of the Earth is about 1.58 billion inches. To reach a 9.2 quintillion inch journey, you'd have to walk around the planet 5.8 billion times. As of 2015, the best estimate for the number of trees on Earth was around 3 trillion. If there was a single acorn hidden in a single tree, and you were asked to pick that tree on your first guess, your odds would be about 3 million times better than filling out a perfect bracket. Of course, not every pick on a bracket is a guess or a coin flip, so that 9.2 quintillion number isn't totally realistic. If you knew a bit about basketball and could make some educated picks, what would the odds be then? One in 120.2 billion. Still not great. So your odds of filling out a perfect bracket are practically impossible. But those mind-melting numbers aren't the only amazing figures math has hidden up its sleeve. First, let's keep riding that big number train from the bracket fact and take a brief look at another incredible number, a Googleplex. Admittedly, a podcast isn't the best medium in which to discuss these types of numbers, but I'll do my best. To get to a Googleplex, we first have to get to a Google, and that's with an O-L, not an L-E. A Google is 1 to the 100th power, or one with 100 zeros behind it. That's big, but a Googleplex is bigger. A Googleplex is 10 to the Google power. This is massive. It's a number so large that it's simply not possible to write it down in any numerical form because, well, there just isn't enough room in the entire universe. If you were to travel across the cosmos to the most distant star, jotting down zeros the entire way and stopping off at each little planet and moon, you still wouldn't come close. That's big. That is really big. But there are bigger numbers, unbelievably. Graham's number, named after mathematician Ronald Graham, has more digits than the number of atoms in the observable universe. It's a number that was devised when trying to solve an equation that deals with higher dimensional hypercubes. No, I didn't make that sentence up, and no, I can't explain it in a way that doesn't go way beyond my mathematical skills. Let's go from the big to the nothing and take a gander at our friend zero. Zero isn't natural. There is no zero in nature. Even in the deepest reaches of so-called empty space, there is something. Humans had to basically invent it. The origin of zero can be traced to around 5,000 years ago in ancient Mesopotamia, where it was used as a placeholder in a combination of numbers. In the number 204, the zero signifies nothing in the tens column, helping us distinguish quickly between 204 and 24. Seems easy enough, but it made math much easier than, say, adding up an alphabet soup of Roman numerals. Later, around 1,500 years ago, zero started to become its own number representing nothing. An interesting study conducted by Duke University helps to illustrate why zero is such a difficult concept to truly grasp. In the study, kids younger than six are asked to look at a pair of cards with various numbers of objects on them. In each pair, the child is asked to choose the card with the fewest number of objects. When a card with no objects is paired with a card with objects, less than half of the kids chose the card with no objects. Even adults participating in the study took slightly longer to choose the zero card, suggesting that the concept requires a bit more brain power to truly grasp. Some of the tiniest meaningful numbers around are the Planck units. Other units, such as the meter and the gram, are measurements created by humans. But Planck units use the physical limits of nature, such as the speed of light and gravitational constant, as their base. Planck length is very tiny. It's a decimal point followed by 34 zeros and then one sixth. Just how small is that? The width. ...of a hydrogen atom is about 2 million times smaller than the width of a human hair. The Planck length is 3 trillion times smaller than the width of a hydrogen atom. But even this number pales in comparison to the other numbers that pop up in physics. You thought the odds of filling out a perfect bracket were small... The probability of a spontaneous inflation of space-time is a decimal point followed by 10 to the power of 10 to the power of 56 zeros behind it, and then a 1. The number of digits behind the decimal point is far, far greater than all of the atoms present in the universe. And there you go, a little factual madness to go with your march, and the numbers to back it up, and then some. If it's your speed, enjoy the games. Sports fan or not, though, I'll see you next week with another Six Pack of Facts. Stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then... Share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.